0: They are out there. HMOs that are just bog standard HMOs. There's nothing fancy about them and there's definitely nothing fancy about these photos, but it is now a service accommodation property and this is what it looks like now. So professional photos presented nicely and are not an awful lot more appealing. Now, yes, there are HMOs that are presented really, really well. They don't tend to stay presented really really well. But yes, I I do know that HMOs can be presented really well as well, but more often than not they aren't. So that's what it looks like now. Now the numbers, the most important thing to draw people's attention to are the numbers. So firstly, as a four bed HMO the rent, if it was fully occupied, would be £1,701. Mortgage and bills, 1,065. Now, those would be higher now, but mortgage and bills at this point last year, 1,065. Now, the cash flow as an HMO, 636 pounds. But that's fully occupied, all four rooms occupied. And actually, one of the rooms wasn't occupied for probably about eight months. So therefore, It was just about breaking even. Why did I leave one of the rooms unoccupied for that period of time? I'd run out of steam as a landlord. I literally didn't want to put another tenant in there and have that responsibility of having that tenant. And so I I just left it empty. Um, And so my my bad, I I was not making as much money from that property as I could do. But do you think there are lots of other HMO landlords out there like me? What do you think, yes or no? There are. Where we've run out of steam as landlords. And so I'm going to be talking later on about some of the things that are causing landlords to get fed up with being landlords. So especially with HMOs, it's like babysitting adults, you know, and I've been doing it a long time. So when people are brand new and they think, you know, okay, I'm going to be an HMO landlord, they might be able to put up with stuff for the first year or two. Show me a hand, any HMO landlords in the room? Yeah, but it, the novelty wears off a little bit, or it can do, if, especially if HMO is not necessarily your thing anymore. So cash flow as an HMO, 636 quid. Average revenue as serviced accommodation, 4,800 pounds. So that's a significant difference. Mortgage bills, OTAs, cleaning, et cetera, comes in at 2,070. So cash flow as serviced accommodation, average cash flow, 2,730 pounds. And the property is kept in show home condition. Because I actually think with buy to let and HMO, I, I see people, and I've done it in the past myself, see people say oh but i cash flow x amounts per calendar month but are they was i quite often i realized that i hadn't been cash flowing x amount per calendar month when i got the property back and i had to spend a lot of money to get it back into lettable condition and it can wipe out years worth of apparent cash flow but as service accommodation the really cool thing is If you're stood in that property at the end of that month and you've got your accounts and you can see how much money you've cash flowed You're stood in a property that is in show home condition. Is this all making sense so far guys? So genuine cash flow and remember no section 24 and capital allowances Approximately 80,000 pounds. So I haven't had the the survey done um, yet But based on all of the uh, capital allowance surveys I've had done before on similar-sized properties, it's going to come in at about £80,000. That is £80,000 tax-free. Okay? Tax-free money. And when you are a higher or an additional rate taxpayer, that is a significant amount of tax to be saved. And also remember, no Section 24. Because I've owned this property for a long time, and... I bought it in my own personal name. So section 24 means that I was not able to offset the mortgage interest whilst it was being used as an HMO. But I can now. I can offset the mortgage interest and earn a lot of money tax free. So you should already start identifying how you can represent a massive opportunity, a win win situation for landlords here. Properties kept in show home condition, they don't have to worry about section 24 tax and then capital allowances and the vast majority of these property landlords out there will have no idea about capital allowances and this is where you guys come in to go and sell the benefits of capital allowances. So the steps you have to go through when you're converting a buy to let or an HMO into serviced accommodation. What is your strategy regarding your current tenants? Do you serve notice or wait for them to leave voluntarily? Now, what happened is I had three tenants in that HMO and they were Eastern European workers working in Plymouth. Two of them were uh, brothers and they said that they were going back to Eastern Europe. And then the other one said, oh, I will be leaving shortly after. And and at that point I thought, right, this is the time to turn this property into serviced accommodation. So I waited till they'd all gone and then I got it up to its current condition. So, or you can serve notice, which clearly a lot of landlords are going to decide to do, especially when there's things like the tenant eviction ban looming on the horizon. I'll talk more about that later on. So, or you can wait for them to leave voluntarily. So yes, if they decide to leave themselves, they'll leave voluntarily. Another way to help them leave voluntarily, turn off the gas and the electric and and the water and all of that stuff. Hmm? (laughs) Yes, so you could put up the rent as well um, to encourage them to leave voluntarily. And sometimes you can actually incentivize uh, tenants to leave voluntarily as well. You could sweeten it for them to help them find a new place. You've just got to decide, you know, with these tenants moving on, how much more money could I make from this property as service accommodation? And a lot of people have got a bit of a a dilemma with this because, you know, they've got a nice tenant in place and what do I do? There's no right and there's no wrong with this. Imagine if the, the roles were reversed and you were in the way of them making a hell of a lot more money out of their own property. Would they serve you notice? And the answer is probably yes. Okay, so you probably just need to look at it that way. No right or wrong answer to this thing. Remember, you would need to switch the insurance to a serviced accommodation product. So, buy-to-let or HMO insurance would not work. Okay, so those of you that have uh, done training, everyone in this room, you can just use the Power Team uh, brokers. Uh, on the power team sheet and just get them. They will do a fact find with you and based on the questions that you answer, they will tailor the product that suits you and how you're going to be operating. Switch borrowing or get permission. So if there is a mortgage on the property, then you can ask for consent to let to do, short term rental or furnished holiday let, okay? Don't say serviced accommodation, ask for consent to let. Now, the thing to remember here is a lot of landlords don't actually know um, that they need to ask for permission. They might have a, a, um, an investment mortgage on the property. It's not residential, and so they don't know that they would need to get consent to let to do service accommodation. So, uh, let's face it, an awful lot of landlords don't ask. Now, when I was asked brokers about this, they have said that it's not... It's not like mortgage fraud if that happens, it's a breach of terms and conditions and the, the likelihood is that the lender, if they found out, would just say um, either stop or we need to put you on a different product or something like that. So that, that is something that some landlords um, will inevitably just go ahead and do it. It's not mortgage fraud. But belt and braces, if you're speaking to a landlord, you should advise that if there's a mortgage on the property that you need to get consent to let. Furnish or upgrade the existing furniture now, especially with an HMO It's unlikely that the furniture I showed you just now that you know that wouldn't have worked okay as service combination so it's likely that you're going to need to upgrade the furniture and Maximize the space for the target market I you know with with buy to lets sometimes i'm reinstalling uh, a stud partition wall because i'm creating an extra bedroom where the dining room used to be but with hmos maximize the space for your target market you're going to need a a lounge so as an hmo you might not have had a lounge in there it could just be all bedrooms but with sa you're going to need a lounge that's going to make it uh, more attractive to your guests obviously And claim capital allowances and avoid section 24. Remember, as an HMO, it could just be a C3, okay, with grandfather rights to be uh, doing HMO. It could well be C4. You can move from C4, which is normal HMO, from C4 back to C3 under permitted development. You don't have to go through planning. If it's a large HMO, then it's likely to be sui generis. Under that circumstance, you would have to speak to your local authority and probably go through planning to put it back to C3. Now, if you are going to be putting a property back to C3, in my experience, don't say to them, I'm going to be turning it into a serviced accommodation unit. You're just saying, I'm going to be putting it back to C3 normal residential use. Service accommodation, the most appropriate use class for it is C3, normal residential use. I do not say service accommodation to them because the local authorities often say, OK, well, therefore, you need to go through planning. And unfortunately, in my experience, a lot of them aren't correct. I'm going to be as polite as I can. Now, this the HMO um, that I turned into service accommodation in Plymouth, I didn't ask the local authority, but they did find out because a neighbour who used to complain like mad when it was an HMO, now complain like mad, now it was service accommodation. To the local authority, who said to me, oh, well, uh, a material change of use has taken place, and so therefore you're going to need to go through planning. And I proved to the local authority that a material change of use had not taken place. There was no additional requirement uh, on parking. The property was not being overoccupied we do not allow parties and there had not been any parties. There was no um, additional rubbish building up and causing a nuisance. Those are all of the things that create a material change of use and I proved that they had not happened. Or at least they were not able to prove that it had happened. And so the local authority went off again and said, okay, fine, Um, we can't argue with that. And the neighbor was told just to wind her neck in. So for that reason I literally just don't go to local authority and if they come back to me I will then prove to them that material change of use has not taken place But it's something that you should be aware of that landlords might think is the case So with SA management you take the property on a straight management agreement So you're not going to do it on an AST You're going to do it on a management agreement and all of you Guys who've done the training have got that management agreement. And what you're going to do is put in what your um, commission is going to be. So the fees are a percentage of revenue, typically 15 to 20 percent. In more expensive uh, parts, you know, London, for instance, that can be lower because the, the turnover can be so much higher. But 15 to 20 percent would be normal. The thing to remember with SA management is all the costs are paid by the owner. So I'll I'll talk about those costs that are paid by the owner. So this is a big step change from rent to SA or let to SA. The risk sits with the owner, but they get the tax benefits so they can avoid section 24 and claim capital ounces. So why does the risk sit with the owner? Well, if there are no bookings, then the owner's still got their bills to pay and they're not going to be making any money. Whereas if there are no bookings, the house is going to be empty. You're not going to be doing any work as the SA operator, so that therefore the risk sits with them. So I do prefer it, as you will all know, for people to understand serviced accommodation before getting into SA management so that they're not putting any owners at risk of getting no bookings. Does that make sense? Yeah. OK. So for full management then, you've got unit prep, Meet and greet, cleaning and laundry, maintenance, taking bookings, taking payments, guest communication and advertising on the OTA. So those are all the main functions of full management. So how the money flows then with full management, this is the bookings coming in and all of the bookings comes into the management company's operating company the opco. And commission is taken from that turnover. Now some management companies will take their commission after paying OTA fees. There's no right or wrong on that one and quite often it comes down to what are other SA management companies doing in your town. If they are taking their commission after paying OTA fees then they are going to be more attractive to Landlords and so you might want to reflect that again. No, right or wrong And the OTA fees are also paid from the opco cleaning minor maintenance meet-and-greet is take is, is paid for and Then the remainder of the money is paid to the owner who pays his or her own bills and Pays the mortgage if there is a mortgage on the property and then the remainder is profit that goes into the owner's bank So benefits of HMO to SA for landlords. So these are all the things, when you find yourself speaking to landlords that you want to be selling these benefits to them. Property kept in show home condition. You cannot underestimate how important this is going to be to a lot of landlords that have had to deal with their properties not being kept in a nice state for potentially years. So that's the first benefit. EPC regulations. Now this is going to be a problem looming, looming very large on the horizon for landlords who are accommodating tenants. Now, the first off, yes it's going to be buy to let, but then the next will be HMOs in which the owner of the property has got to meet an EPC of C or above in order to accommodate tenants. Now there's a lot of landlords out there that that's going to represent tens of thousands of pounds to actually upgrade the property to achieve that. Could be new windows, new boiler, loft insulation. Some of them are uh, old Victorian stone buildings that is just, you know, uh, thick stone. And they're almost, it's almost impossible for a lot of these properties to achieve it without cladding and another brick course or whatever it may be. It's going to be very hard for a lot of landlords to achieve this but with service accommodation, you are not accommodating tenants. You're accommodating guests. So this, it relates to the Housing Act for tenants. And the reason why they put this in is so that tenants don't have to pay too much on their energy bills. So it's to protect tenants. With service accommodation, your guests are not paying the energy bills, and so it falls outside of this. Now, yes, in the future, the government might say, OK, fine, so we've, we've sorted out all the buy-to-let, we've sorted out all the HMOs, OK, next is serviced accommodation. Well, hey, how far down the track is that? But at the moment, it's going to be a very attractive proposition for landlords to have to avoid having to cough up the money now to uh, get the properties to achieve an EPC of C or above. The tenant eviction ban. And so the government um, are trying, and it it's, keeps going... It's, Um, umpteen reading in Parliament, etc. Um, the, um... Landlord Reform Bill, in which they're trying to remove the Section 21 No Fault Eviction Notice. Which means that in order for a landlord to get a tenant out of the property, they're going to have to use a Section 8 notice. And a Section 8 notice is more when there's, um, rent arrears, It's when there's antisocial behavior taking place. Well, okay, if there's rent arrears, yeah, section 21 is, uh, section eight is fine, but antisocial behavior, that's a very, very, very hard thing to prove. And a lot of landlords would have to end up in court trying to prove antisocial behavior. And unless there's very, very solid proof, you're not getting rid of that tenant. So removal of the section 21 is another nail in the coffin, as far as I'm concerned for landlords. It's definitely something that is worrying me with my buy-to-lets and other HMOs that I have got. If it's worrying me, it's going to be worrying other landlords as well. And you are the solution to the problem because you will all have heard my catchphrase before, more money, less tax, and what? No No tenants, which does put a smile on my face. Okay, utility bills. My utility bills have dropped significantly Now that the property is serviced accommodation. Why is that? Well guests serviced accommodation guests they turn up with a phone charger When it was an HMO There were more devices plugged in than you could shake a stick at 24-7 the heating was on all of the time windows left open with the tenants in there sat in their pants. And that HMO, I went there once because the electricity bill went significantly north and it had been going north for quite a long time. So I went there to find out what was going on. There was a sunbed in the lounge and the tenants were knocking about in their shorts looking like bronze gods and goddesses on my energy bill, okay? So here's the thing, tenants will, often rinse the energy bills. Now, more often than not, with the most HMOs, uh, the owner is paying the bills. Now, with student HMOs, quite often the students are paying the bills, but with normal HMOs let to normal tenants, the owners are paying the bills. So as an SA, the bills are going to plummet. You can regulate the heating. You are allowed to regulate the heating as serviced accommodation. You can have your your... Uh, Portable apps or your apps where you can set the the parameters and when the heating comes on and goes off. When there's no guests in the property, what are you going to do? Put the heating right down. There's obviously no electricity going to be used. When is an SA most likely to be empty? In the winter. Okay, and so over the course of a whole year, the bills are going to drop significantly. So that's a massive benefit to the owners as well. Section 24 tax. Have interest rates gone up significantly recently, yes or no? Yes. So therefore, Section 24 is now a very big problem for landlords who own these properties in their own name. And guess what? Especially with service accommodation management, all of a sudden they can now offset their mortgage interest again. So Section 24 is a massive lever. It's it's a bit much bigger problem for landlords who own properties in their own name now than it ever was before. And the money that you are now giving this owner, significantly more, in my experience, than the owner was getting as buy-to-let or HMO, that money can be earned tax-free, because a lot of it, because of the capital allowances. So where can we find these lesser-spotted... Landlords, online portals. So landlords advertising their properties to let where they, are trying, they want to avoid a letting agent. So shout them out, what online portals? Spare room, Spare room. open rent, open rent. Gumtree. Gumtree, UPAD, Facebook Marketplace. Okay, so online portals. That's where you can find these people. Obvious one, the HMO register. And so the HMO register in your town will actually give you the name and home address of these HMO landlords. I get letters from these rent-to-renters all of the time. Because <laughs> they've gone on to the, the local government website, found out, um, you know, mine and Caroline's address, and they're sending us a letter saying, we'll give you guaranteed rent and you should give it to us and all of that shenanigans, Okay. So you can actually find these landlords yourself, and using the marketing materials that you can all get from the file section of the, the uh, Facebook group, you can be sending out these flyers to these landlords selling the benefits of service accommodation that they give you the properties used as SA instead, the HMO register. Now, Sometimes you can just download the HMO register from the local authority's website. If not, then you just need to contact the HMO officer and under the Freedom of Information Act, ask for it. They'll send you an application form, you fill out the application form and they have to send you the HMO register under the Freedom of Information Act. I I find it crazy that that is allowed, but it is allowed and that's why I get these letters and so that's the rule, so you can actually do that. Property networking meetings Funny old thing. This is where you'll find landlords at property networking meetings people sit watching Netflix Waiting for landlords to knock on their door and saying do you you want a portfolio of properties by any chance? Yeah, very optimistic some people if you want an opportunity you have to put yourself in the way of an opportunity And so this is where landlords are hanging out and when you go there you sell the benefits of service accommodation to these landlords, all of these things. Now, by the way, for, for those of you um, it live in the audience, if you do want uh, the, the slides, I'm more than happy to share with you guys the slides. I'll, I'll put it in the Facebook group. Council landlord meetings. Council landlord meetings are a little bit different to property networking meetings in in that you'll just find normal landlords there, so not people in the property industry, property training industry, just normal landlords there. And they are the grumpiest bastards you will ever meet these days. They're basically stood on their chairs, pointing at these councillors, saying, what are you going to do about Section 24? What are you going to do about energy bills? What are you going to do about this um, tenant eviction ban? What are you going to do about this? What are you going to do about that? What are you going to do about that? Okay, And you can, when you get your chance, say, well, do you know what? We we can keep your property in show home condition. You won't have to worry about section 24. You don't have to worry about the tenant eviction ban. Your energy bills will plummet. And you would also be able to earn tens of thousands of pounds tax free. If anyone would like to discuss that further, I'll be at the coffee machine in the next break. Okay. This is what you need to be doing when you are going to where landlords are, selling the benefits of serviced accommodation to them. Business networking meetings. So we've been discussing it with people here today. At business networking meetings, shout, shout them out. What types of people do you find there? Business people. Business <laughs> people. <laughs> non- non-property. I do the jokes around here. Non-property <laughs> Non-property people, yes. Do you find property people there? Yes. Okay, so a a BNI, Business Network International, what types of people will you find there? Trades people. So there will be trades people there. Do trades people know landlords? Yes. Anyone else? Financial services. Financial services, so there could well be an IFA. They're highly likely there to be an accountant there. Are there letting agents there, yes or no? Yes. Estate agents? Solicitors, brokers, these people, they are connected to every landlord in your town, one way or another. So you go there and you sell the benefits of service combination, and you're literally asking to be referred to landlords who maybe have got a letting agent problem, a tenant problem, okay, an EPC problem. Does this all make sense, guys? Yes. Okay. Social media. If you are posting on your social media about how you can help landlords avoid all of these problems, somebody's going to DM you and ask to meet for coffee. By by a show of hands, has anyone actually been asked uh, to meet for coffee based on what you've been posting on your social media? Okay, so several hands going up. Success leaves clues. You've got to be using your social media, not to be looking at cats making, you know, funny noises and things like that. Use your social media and try and monetize your social media and ask for referrals as well. Does anyone know anyone who has got X, Y, and Z problems? And people will literally tag other people in. People you know or meet. So when you are going out there and you're going to your parties or social meetings and gatherings or whatever it may be, at some point, don't be weird and just immediately say, hi, I do service accommodation. I keep landlords' properties in show home condition, all right? Don't be weird. But at some point, try and move the conversation in. you know, people say, what do you do? Okay, don't tell them whatever your day jobs are, don't tell them that, that's boring, okay? Um, tell them that you do property and, and uh, steer the conversation down that road. Oh! So any questions? I'll come to questions very, very shortly. If anybody wants to reach out to me on social media, you can find me on whatever social media platform as The Property Soldier. And if you wanna go to the website, it's www.propertysoldier.co.uk. Thank you ever so much for your time today, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening to the Serviced Accommodation Property Podcast. You can also follow me on social media and YouTube by searching The Property Soldier. Also check out my website www.propertysoldier.co.uk where you can learn even more about property investing and serviced accommodation.